Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company's podcast. Before we get started, I want to tell you about this episode's sponsor. Green Book brings innovative resources to market researchers on both sides of the table and offers effective marketing opportunities in a variety of targeted media. From the Grit Report to the industry-leading blog and IIEX events, Green Book provides a stimulating, practical, and timely perspective on topics and issues relevant to the insights industry. So for all your market research needs, visit greenbook.org. We love it. You'll love it. Just a little something different today to start out. We're going to start out with an interesting concept that is always is happens to you. And my next guest, it has happened to me. We're going to talk about the Batter-Meinhof phenomenon, and that's going to be the weirdest intro we have to my podcast ever. So welcome, Jamin Brazel. <laughs> you know what? That is so perfect because I have been accused of being the biggest weirdo ever. Never intro, but I do think it's fitting. We've got to just do something a little different because you and I, we both have podcasts. We have so much to talk about as entrepreneurs, but this was so funny. So the Batter- Meinhof phenomenon is the thing where you see a word, you learned about a fact or a, a word or anything the first time recently, and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere. And you're like, how did I miss it? It's everywhere. And that is my experience with Jamin Brazel. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, and and um, I actually first went through that in high school because I thought I bought a very unique car, 1969 VW Bug. Um, and it, I didn't buy it new, by the way. I'm not quite that old. The <laughs> I thought that was the only one in existence, and then all of a sudden, I just, I'm not kidding. Like literally, I drove the thing off uh, the lot, and sure enough, there was one right in the intersection. Yeah, it, it's just totally crazy. It happens to me a lot of times with words, um, but yeah, this is seriously what happened with me. Apparently, we are connected to like 40 million people in in, in mutual acquaintances. <laughs> so it's super cool. But I do love that we have the uh, entrepreneurship and the podcast thing in common. But let me tell you a little bit about. Jamin, and then we're going to get cracking, talking about all kinds of fun things that are happening in the crazy competitive market of MR and the crazy changing behaviors of consumers and everything else that's um, just going a little bit nuts in MR. But Jamin is the CEO of Happy Market Research, and he absolutely has years and years of experience, a background in leading really high growth organizations. And actually, one of the first connects with you and me, Jamin, is Kristen Luck um, with the connection at Decipher. So tell people just a little bit of an interesting chronology for you over the past two decades. Um, You know, it includes a lot of big names like Focus Vision. (laughs) Um, You know, anybody want to get to know the CEO, the past CEO of uh, Focus Vision? So tell us a little bit about your actual journey and then how that led into your entrepreneurship. And then we'll dive into really what's going on day to day. Hey, thanks so much for asking. Actually, I don't rarely, I'm oftentimes, I'm always actually on the other side of the mic. So this is quite an honor. And (laughs) and by the way, I did want to give a shout out to your uh, podcast. I absolutely love it. I when I first started Happy Market Research, um, and I was looking at the current, you know, podcasts and trends in the in the market research space specifically. Um, I was really piggybacking off of yours, and I enjoyed the format. Last plug, I really enjoy the interviews you do with your staff. I think that is such a neat <laughs> hack because it just allows the customer who probably isn't going to ever really get to know the cu- the uh, employer, the customer success manager, in the way that you know you would through a podcast. 
Um, and so it's a really unique approach, and, and it just humanizes, I think, at a whole different level the interactions that people can have with you. Oh, so. thank you so much. That's great feedback. And I got to tell you, I do. We have gotten so many comments like that. People really like that interaction. And I guess I kind of, you know, you, it's kind of what you have. You you kind of don't know what you have until it's gone, or you know that kind of whatever mm-hmm. song we can right, insert yeah. right here. Well, but hopefully they're not gone right <laughs> no, now. No, 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 they're here. <laughs> but it's kind of like you know, you go to another company, and, and then you see that there's not that kind of interaction and -hmm. dynamic interaction. I'm like, oh, gosh, what we have is so special. Um, But yeah, we, you know, we we just, you know, shoot the shit constantly about what's going on with the client and, you know, brainstorm it like, oh, it's like this, it's like that. And and, and I I do like that it comes out and actually Ashley, she cracks me up, first of all. She's hilarious. (laughs) I love those episodes uh, with her. But anyway, yeah, let's jump into it. Tell us about, you know, how you went from CEO to entrepreneur. Well, I'm actually going to do just, I want to talk a little bit about my very, very early days, which was, I I grew up in a uh, remote rural community of like small labor uh, or small farms. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so my my parents actually raised me on a small 40 acre grapes to raisin farm where my sister and I did a lot of the actual work. And um, so, you know, relatively humble beginnings, I guess I'd put it, put it that way. Uh, and my dad in 1982 bought an Apple IIc, which I actually still have that computer, uh, and with the not with an idea that it would do anything, but that he uh, at that point in time, but he said it is going to be the future. And so um, I learned how to hack in in those days, and then parlayed that in uh, the 90s to create websites uh, in the Bay Area. Found myself in market research and did my very first market research uh, project online, it was an online survey in 1996, so July of 1996, fell in love with the methodology and then created a company called Decipher along with Jamie Plunkett in 2000. Um, that, that product was later acquired by Focus Vision and then, you know, I became the CEO of that company about a year after that process was completed. That must um, have I'll, been a crazy journey though, the sell, you know, the selling of Decipher so to Focus Vision. Crazy. The the <laughs> I, probably the highlight, there's a couple of highlights for me that I wanted to, two specifically that I wanted to talk about. One is, um, it was around 2007, Kristen Luck had left a company called OTX uh, that was she had helped found along with, with Shelly Zalas. And um, we, Jamie and I immediately recognized, you know, our strengths and weaknesses and, you know, getting into the public was not one of our strengths at that point. So, um, and we loved Kristen and her brand even back then. So we did everything we could to acquire her, her company that she had started called Forefront in those days. And, um, you know, after, after doing that acquisition, of course, that was the, probably this, among the top moves I ever made as a, uh, in my entire career. Um, you know, we acquired not just a fantastic talent, but a lifelong friend. And right. she, you know, partnered together, and we grew the pants off the business. And now, Decipher is used by, um, at least directly or indirectly, by 75% of the Fortune 500. So it's it's a you know really nice really nice um, kind of ending on on that front, or I guess continuation of the yeah. Of the- Well, and, you know, like you said, you also have this relationship that's just golden. She's gone on to do so many other successful things, and you have also likewise. So it just creates this amazing dynamic of, you know, people who truly are helpful. Like, they've done it. They've been there. Um, You know, Kristen talks a lot about, you know, how now with her her work scaling and growth hacking with people, how, you know, she walks in a lot of times to very difficult 
issues. Either they're not, you know, that she's coming in and being called in when when the companies are in distress. Or sometimes when they're just like, hey, we got to, you know, get to another level. But that is another form of distress. So the fact that you guys have been through, you know, the trenches together, I'm sure there's a lot of great war stories. And uh, and I love that the, the interesting thing about the two of you that's so alike is that you guys are both helpful. Yeah, I think what we've we've both, and it's it's interesting. We're I'd say we're we're self aware, maybe even self critical, the and recognizing our strengths and weaknesses. This is one of the reasons that Jamie, her, and I have worked so well together over the years. The the part of that becomes you. It's less about us individually, and you know this as as a successful entrepreneur. And it's all about the customer or the employees or the people that you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you can start creating value in that direction, then I don't know if it's karma or what, but it always comes back, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, my my core tenant. I have a few of them, but one of them is add value at all costs. So if I if I have in fact even today I had reviewed some content it took me a good hour and a half which is a lot of time out of my out of my day uh, to provide some feedback to to someone on their creative and then I'm I'm like gosh you know this is a lot of time with zero ROI except for the fact that at, you know this is helping that person oh, out yeah. so as mm-hmm. long as you operate in that kind of premise then it just everything just seems to work out yeah well things are working out for you so tell us a little bit about you know why why leave from focus vision and start your own you know uh, y- y- a new company and 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 be an, a serial entrepreneur <laughs> move into it again it seems like we get it in our blood and that's what just what we have to do but it is a very competitive market so tell me why you chose to go out and create happy market research so, you know, happy market research for me at first was an exercise in listening. The I was a, it was I had set a six month window to do a podcast, and um, the the and I wanted to be able to get in front of um, name brands, big heads of insight. So as I as I started that process, I you know a podcast seemed like a really good way for me to be able to do that, and then ultimately do that at scale and create stories that matter. You know, I was watching the Insights Associations. I don't know if you're part of their forums or not, but in yeah. that process, in their in their forums, if you look at the ones that are most popular, it's how did you wind up in market research? So you know that that little question had spawned. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I want to say it was thirty or forty different comments of these very intimate stories of how how people market, uh, market now professional market researchers, um, and and I'm like, gosh, you know what? We never really sit down and ask ourselves that that question. And there's so much that we don't know about each other from our you know the connecting the dots from our upbringing to how we are or who we are today. Uh, and then also the white space that exists in the needs that we have as corporate market researchers or as agencies, um, you know, because a lot of times we're just kind of on guard and don't want to be sold to and whatever. And so, you know, the, the premise around the show was was not about monetary outcome for me, but it was entirely an exercise of uh, discovery. So what is, are the trends in the market? And then um, also storytelling so that we could it help facilitate the conversation and help us all get to know each other a little bit better. Right. And I really enjoyed hearing you get interviewed on Seema Vasa's uh, podcast on Data Gurus. And yeah, it, it gives a lot of good, you know, insight. And, uh, you know, that's interesting that you would say that about the podcast that you didn't do it originally to stand out, but to, in- to inquire into what's going on. But the result is that it does make you stand out. 
in the industry. Yeah, it it did. And so, you know, like everything in life, in, especially in context of a, of a you know new endeavor, you start with something and you don't hold it really firmly because you're whatever you start with is always wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just degrees of wrongness. And so the looser you can hold it, then you can let that concept, the market really dictate that concept, right? I mean, I've seen that at Decipher. I've seen that at Focus Vision. I see that in Happy Market Research, and I see it in what I'm starting next. So in that that journey of podcasting, I really didn't recognize the power of a podcast. In fact, I'll be speaking at IIEX in Austin in a few weeks. On this exact subject, the you know a podcast. There's two things that I that most marketeers don't understand. They they and that is there's an intimacy that's created with the host and the listener that is not replicatable. It's not even replicatable on the radio. Hmm. Um, and and by that I don't mean it anecdotally. I mean according to the data. Right? There's a ton, NPR's released a, uh, data to this point. There's a lot of supporting evidence to this this fact. Um, and the reason why is the the hypothesis, I should say, of the reason why is the context of the consumption of the podcast is really interesting because it's usually a passive medium, meaning that you are consuming it while doing something else, driving, um, you know, on the on the train, while you're traveling, maybe while you're watching your kid play baseball or practice or what, you know what I'm saying? So there's, a, there, or mowing the lawn or whatever. So you have all, so the, the context is important because what you're doing is you're providing value, entertainment, and hopefully some learning when a, in a time when a person would really like that, but they don't have the opportunity to jump on their cell phone and scroll through because, you know, the context is just, they couldn't do that. You can't multitask and do that. Right. Well, so, I will definitely not miss that at IIEX Austin. I'll see you there. I'm actually going to be teaching a masterclass on on content marketing, but it's so funny because a couple of points that I'll bring out really will, you know, will really underscore what you're saying about the power of a podcast is totally true. And I think it's high time that people started talking about that in the MR industry um, because, you know, and even, for example, Green Book, who puts on IIEX, they're one of our sponsors, you know, so it's like right. they, they understand, too. Look, you know, y- you know, you can be interviewed on one or you can create a podcast or, you know, you can, uh, you know, uh, or you can sponsor one. I'll, I'll, there's so many other options to there. I'm really looking forward to that. That That's going to be that's going to be really cool. Um, yeah, itself. It's I know we want to move on, but I just it's self. Um, beneficial for us to say this, but I, I really I have to tell you that I think there's a, not a, right now there is not a single better ROI for marketers than advertising on podcasts or oh being guests gosh. on podcasts. Okay, you heard it for, here first. <laughs> yeah, um, I, it, and that's just me monitoring clicks, right? So I was just yeah. like looking at where we do it and. Um, and who's doing it with us and the outcomes that they're getting. Oh, that's super awesome. Okay, so from the very beginning, you've been involved in innovation. You've used technology in a very, very interesting way to achieve uh, goals, things that people thought was not possible. Um, And even using technology, not necessarily creating the technology, but in this case with podcasts, just using technology that's out there and thinking about it in an innovative way. Other people were not doing this in MR. So innovation, innovation, and then you're going to be speaking at IIEX, which is where innovation happens. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, tell me about what do you think, you know, uh, is going to drive the next big thing? Um, this is not going to be a sexy answer. So oh, okay. apologize That's fine. to you your can, listeners. You can go there. Yeah, um, it's common sense. So <laughs> if you it. if you look at where innovation is happening, it's 
it's happening where people are getting frustrated with rote processes and they're introducing some level of technology to automate it, right? It's the, I mean, if you think about market research, really it's just uh, a conversation at scale. What we're doing as, as market researchers is we are, whether it's quantitative or qualitative, is we are getting consumer's opinions and then we're consolidating that information, right? And from there we do the uh, synthesizing of it, build a story that maps to the customer's business question, and then give it to them. And so, quite lit- and, in, and then what's interesting is, on the flip side, as we give it to them, what we're really doing there, at least the people that I know that do this very well, they're actually, instead of it just being like a monologue, it's much more of a led discussion, mm. right? Where it's a, like a joint venture, short-term joint venture between the researcher and the customer on discovery of what the right answer, what is truth, what's the consumer's point of view. Mm. I love so, that. That, that, that. That simple concept there is follow the frustration. Right. And I, I mean, that's 100% correct. You know, so when i thinking about Decipher as, as a great example... You know, in 1996, I was, in, and you probably remember those market research in the, in those days. This is really before internet had hit scale, uh, especially in the context of, of consumer insights. In in those days, we were doing pencil and paper surveys in malls or telephone based surveys, and it was it was difficult to say the least. I mean, the amount of overhead training different mall facilities to you know do your 200 surveys that weekend. Um, in 12 different markets, it was a it was a massive massive lift, and it was no better on the on the um, phone side because you're doing the same type of interviewer prep, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know you think about like you know where were the opportunities of, of for innovation in those early days? As soon as I brought in, as soon as I said let's do it online, I was able to. Uh, take something as simple as a term and tally sheet. Let me tell you what that is, or your listeners what that is. In the old days, we really cared about something called incidents, just like we do right now, right? What is your overall incidence rate? The way it was calculated is how many times I need to intercept somebody at the mall, and based on their terminations on the the sample frame or the or the termination questions, right? Um, the qualifying questions. That getting the term and, term and tally report was really really hard. It should be easy. It was really really hard. The internet allowed us to automate that whole process, and that, in fact, that that particular the term and ta- what it, we don't we call it the field monitoring dashboard at Decipher, but um, that term and tally sheet, which is basically just a waterfall of how people are terming based on your screening criteria, um, was the number one tool as I was the CEO ever used on that platform, uh, on a on a on a on a like year over year basis, like the whole the whole 17 years, right? right. Sorry, 18. So, um, you know, when I think when you look forward to innovation and, and how we're going to be disrupted in the next three years, it's not going to come from um, it's, it's not going to come from like blockchain or AI or all these kinds of things. <laughs> I was he's, just thinking that. I was just thinking that, you know, I'm sure you know Ray Pointer, but he always jokes course. around as soon as someone says blockchain or AI. He's like, oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. Now, I mean, they do have a place in, in our ecosystem, but the, the true disruption is, is going to happen where we say, gosh, why do I keep having to do this, right? And th- as soon as we create the technology that automates that process, then boom, our lives, our lives are better. And, I, and, I, and what I'm seeing is a, 
is an integration that's happening right now between the soup to nuts workflow in research, which is really, really exciting. Whether you look at a company like Pure Spectrum, which recently launched its storefront or an established firm like Zappi, right? I mean, really what you're talking about is, you know, ingesting the or picking your methodology, ingesting your stimuli, defining your sample frame, hit go. Twenty four hours later, I've got a report that's customized for that methodology. Oh, I right? love I mean, that! I love that, and that's that is so common sense. Follow the frustration, and this applies to pe- you know people in my audience are just entrepreneurs and not inside market research. But even in marketing, I, I just when you were talking about that, it, it brought to mind something from this last year with us. You know, one of the frustrations we have is we create all this great content for clients were done for you, you know, client and social uh, content company. And then, you know, but one of the easiest things that an employer and a company can do is get all their employees to advocate for their brand. But yet there wasn't an easy way to do that. And, you know, there, there's a lot of frustration with companies about that. And so there, you, there's a really great solution um, with Bamboo by, you know, Sprout Social, where they followed that frustration. Everybody, when everybody just keeps saying that, like, oh, I wish I could, uh, you know, that, that, that mm-hmm. frustration level, yep. somebody create, a, you know, solve that problem and it will completely take off. So even if you're not in market research, you know, what, what Jamin's really talking about that, that you know agreement that commitment to add value at any point it also means when you're having frustrating conversations with your clients or frustrating conversations internally in your company listen for that frustration and don't you know kind of grit through it and and you know walk over it and be like oh i wish we could get rid of that no let's think about that what's that frustration and how could we really solve it because that is the key to taking you know whatever you do to the next level for sure can I kick the horse a little bit more? Yes, kick it. So the, it's a lot like talking versus listening, and I see this a lot in startup culture where you'll have some really smart people that create a technology and then they try to find a problem for it. And I think you're so much better off, and, and also Y Combinator thinks you're so much better off, and 500 Startups thinks you're so much better off. If you actually start with the problem, the, consu- the point of pain that the consumer is experiencing, and then build a simple solution in order to address that, right? Because, because that's where you see this beautiful connection between technology or, what, or services even, um, meeting and addressing that, that pain point for the customer. And that's where you see the release of dollars um, because companies are oftentimes very happy to solve those types of problems. Right, right. And I, oh my gosh, that is such an entrepreneur truth right there. Um, you know, we, we joke around in here sometimes people are like, of course, there's the the adage, don't bring me a problem, bring me a solution, you know. Mm-hmm. But also, I always tell them, bring me a solution, tell me how much it's going to cost to make this go away. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, because if you just say, I this is uh, two sentences, this is what's wrong, Priscilla, this is what we should do, it's going to cost this. I guarantee to you. I'm listening for that last amount. Done. <laughs> right. Totally. And you know what's funny is, I, like, truth is simple, always. Mm-hmm. And as soon as somebody starts using big words, and lots mm-hmm. of them, I immediately think to myself, horseshit. Yeah. So, right, because, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's got to be simple enough. My rule of thumb is it's got to be simple enough for 
the masses to be able to understand the solution. It's not just about spending money, though, you know, when you're trying to solve a problem. Because just for example, one of my, you know, somebody on my team came to me the other day and like um, one of our clients, we obviously sometimes get legacy things or, you know, other things that they're using that we're integrating to. And we were posting a video, um, you know, within their social. And uh, to make a long story short, basically, he came to me as like they use Vimeo Pro. And that's specific because we have HTML videos running behind, you know, their uh, on their website. And that's the best way to not have to load slow and cash. And, you know, you got to get a pro account and let this HTML video load properly. So, you know, we have that that we're working with. But then he had a new application for video, which, of course, we believe in video for social video for video for everything, you know. And, you know, he wrote me this long email, which is not what people typically do here internal internally, wrote this big, long email about how, well, you know, in order to do what we want to do with the with the closed captioning on it and use Vimeo, then we have to do this and this and we have to pay to have this transcribed and then we'll put them up and we'll do that. I'm like, or you could use YouTube because it's embedded. <laughs> See, I mean, <laughs> I, was like, I saw the I saw the punchline there too, and I it's did just you. like it was, here it comes, like, here it comes. Yeah, that's right, here it comes, and it's it's so funny. I, I, anyway, we have count. We could talk all day long about this particular, uh, you know, and probably just in the last two months on half a dozen examples that you just described, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just like, gosh, if there's an existing technology, don't build a new one. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I know people like, you know, because and I totally appreciate it. I'm not trying to dog that employee, but sometimes just like you're making it so complicated and you're asking me, well, can we do this? And this is going to cost us all. And it's just like you're totally empowered. Just make the decision that's right in this moment. And the 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 interesting thing was it is the also the cheap. It's the right answer and it's the cheapest answer. So (laughs) totally. I mean, we have that, you know, focus vision, which, uh, you know, it's a quantum qual technology based business. Um, and it's the largest streaming of focus groups and IDIs in the space on that platform. So, you know, one of the big questions for us early on uh, in my tenure there was, should we develop a proprietary YouTube, right, an internal YouTube? Um, with, and, you know, what sort of bells and whistles would we need in order to justify that sort of CapEx? So anyways, yeah, I mean, you've, there is a time when it warrants, you know, IP or investment. But I believe more often than not, if there's an existing technology that you can leverage, do that. Let's take a break and hear about this episode's sponsor. If you're looking to be inspired, challenged, and connected, I have the perfect event for you. Hosted in Austin, Texas, IIEX North America is the place you need to be from April 23rd to 25th. Presented by Greenbook, IIEX North America is the leading conference in the market research and insights industry. These three days of action are filled with over a thousand attendees, over 250 speakers, and over 200 sessions for a combination kick in the pants, turbocharged networking, and intensive education. And I'll be speaking at IIEX North America. IIEX is packed with fresh ideas. From the new speaker track to meet the startups and insight innovation competition, this is the place to see the latest technologies and disruptive methods emerging in the world of insights. Attendees will be in great company with thought leaders from Procter & Gamble, Lowe's, Merck, and Coca-Cola. So register now for IIEX North America and save 20% with the promo code LITTLEBIRD at IIEX-NA.InsightInnovation.org or simply click the link in our show notes. Be there to find out what's new and next in the realm of consumer insights. 
So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that are emerging. And obviously, we'll both be at IIEX. Um, and that is about hearing about new innovations, seeing the startups. Uh, there's obviously the Startup Awards. I just had Lenny Murphy on um, from Green Book and talking a little bit about the uh, um, Innovation Awards. So that's always interesting. But you, you, you're out speaking a lot. But when you're trying to stay current with what's going on in the industry, where are your eyeballs or where are your ears? You know, I, I've been very fortunate that I've just been, for whatever reason, good parenting, I guess, I've been fearless with respect to reaching out to people. Uh, so, uh, in fact, most of the individuals that I have on my podcast, I've never met and, and nor even done business with. Hmm. The, the way that I get my guests is I just ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thank you, LinkedIn, right, for the ability <laughs> to be able to network to people. Yeah. Um, now, you know, granted, it definitely helps having the uh, background that I do and, right. the, and the connections that I do. But, you know, having said that, I think, you know, my, my number one source for knowledge is I go straight, as my grandfather, late grandfather would say, straight to the horse's mouth. Yeah. Um, so I spend a lot of time, at least probably three to four conversations with heads of insights a week. And then, um, and that always, there are rabbit holes, right? So you start a conversation, like there's um, a new head of global strategy that was hired at um, Ipsos in the last two months. You know, so what is, what is George like? And, you know, what does he care about? And what is his mandate? You know, so you just kind of like reach out and start talking to these people. Right. And then you really have a way of staying close. And of course, I mean, everybody goes to the grit report. Mm-hmm. Well, and you say that about, you know, you're lucky to have this background, but I also like to remind you, Damon, I mean, you keep working this hard, you're going to keep being this lucky. <laughs> that's right. There, you know what, actually, I, so that's a great point. I I, I really do believe that um, 100% of success is predicated on luck. And you, you, you're correct that you have a higher probability um, if the harder you work and the longer you stay in the game. But if you stay in the game long enough, you will strike gold. It's mm-hmm. just it's just a numbers game. Well, let's talk a little bit about podcasts. Is there like a, I, I hate to do superlatives, like the favorite, the best, it's not that, but is there like a, a podcast guest that came on and you're still noodling about it? Like it's intrigued you enough and you're like, gosh, I didn't see that coming or, you know, something interesting or surprising about a guest that you've had on. Um, my, so I, I don't have a favorite guest per se. I, I would say there's, there's really, there's probably the highest, um, for me anyway, one of the more beneficial conversations that I've had where I've kind of taken a lot out of it actually comes from one of my mentors and he's been on the show two times, Meryl Dubrow, the CEO and now owner of Mark Research. Um, the, you know, he was on podcast number 105 for me, so he was right out the gate. It's a really embarrassing episode of me doing a bad job of interviewing, by the way. So, <laughs> I know. It does, does it sometimes drive you crazy that we're, like, putting this down for posterity? And I'm thinking, gosh, it's a good thing I'm never going to run for president. So. <laughs> well, I mean, there's so many reasons for me on that right. one. But, um, but, well, I don't know, actually. Anyway, so that's a whole different can of worms. But the... But, but the um, uh, I recently had him back on like two weeks ago and the, and the episode just dropped, just dropped today, which is the March uh, 21st of 2019. And um, he had this, this so memorable to me. He had this quote in the, in the podcast where he's like, um, every day is half a percent of your productivity for the year. What? And, Right. And you think about it. Right. So you, you've got about 200 work days. We'll pretend 
and that's about half a percent, right, um, of your product of the amount of work that you're going to get done. Assuming you work for five days a week, not seven. Mm. Um, and I thought, gosh, how much intentionality that brings? How much focus I all of a sudden have on? Am I actually moving the needle? Right? Am I spending my time in a way that is maximizing? You know, there's a um, if you're into if you're into the Tour de France, there's this famous story about the, uh, the British cycling team doing amazingly well, and they actually thought they were all um, using dope, and I don't know if they were or not, but um, mm-hmm. they claim was the time they weren't, and so uh, they're, also they're, another can of worms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The um, uh, the rat, and they were never caught, but anyway. So the the way that they said they achieved these oversized return uh, physical physical returns was through what they called incremental improvement so it wasn't about how do i go from one to ten it was how do i go from one to 1.1 and i do that every single day right yeah it's very much the compounding interest principle Mm -hmm. but i love this kind of thing when it's not really about a new fact you learn because that's never what changes your life it's about a mindset shift Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. So along your way, you've had a lot of people give you some advice, and you just brought up your mentor. And actually, we'll include that in the show notes. The the new one that dropped, not the old one where you you know where you yeah, feel like you did yeah, an interview, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> We're friends, Jamin. <laughs> hey, but listen, have you thought about like have you? Because I'm sure you've had some interviews probably early on. Where you're like, oh man, want to revisit them. So I thought about that, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I part of me really enjoys having the failure, the visibility yeah. of the failure at the market level. I do, I do. I'm with you on that. I just, just, just move on. We move on, and then also I think it it, it helps people connect to the to point that you said mm-hmm. before, which is, you know, your your um, if there's success, it's because you just keep at it, right? And right. and and so, you know, you know, I think it's okay to know and that anybody that's had success, they didn't start out successful, right? right? They were just fumbling along like everybody else. And that's, and the important thing is, is to do. Well, in this whole podcast, my whole theme of it is to pull back the curtain and see how it's done. I mean, this is the sausage getting made, people, you know, right. and here's my point. I love sausage. So let's just find out how you make it. You know? so. That's got to be the epic, that's the epic, most epic quote of all time. I love that. So we'll we'll Me call this too. podcast Jamin Jamin and Priscilla make sausage. I love it. <laughs> but you know, like, it has to be like three tips, right? Okay. Like okay. Well, I uh, I would say there's one episode that does get a lot of play. Actually, there's one of my really early ones gets a lot of play. It's it's called Fakers Gonna Fake, and it's about bad hiring that I did, and it's a horrific oh. story. And so talk about failures, you know, <laughs> it's right there. Um, I haven't heard that one. I'm definitely oh my check gosh, it out. <laughs> okay, it'll be really embarrassing to go. Go re- listen to it. But early on, too, I told my story, and it's like it's in two ver- two episodes. It's Priscilla Goes Super Niche, and it's one and two. And actually, it's really – it's like my origin story. It's about how three weeks after the uh, Joplin tornado, I watched my company, my studio, burn to the ground and how right. I started I over. That. Yeah, and so for me, I'm kind of like, well, I don't need to revisit that story. It, of course, that's an origin story, but I don't need to go revisit those things. And even a lot of the stories along the way and people I interviewed – those are trapped in a time and place, and that's where they belong. And, you know, so for me, I like seeing that body out. And I know that's very tempting to go and pull episodes that you're like, oh, that, that sucked, you know, or something. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think in the end, I just feel like that's not how I live. 
You know, I, I live totally. with that authenticity out there. And I think in the end, that's what attracts, you know, our clients to us is that I don't always have the right answers. I don't always do it right the first mm-hmm. time this, you know, but I, I do absolutely care. And I do share that mentality you have of always be adding value. And I'm just curious about things. Well, why? Why wouldn't uh-huh. this work? And, you know, and that kind of like pulls into that common sense. That So this is a really interesting thread, you know, of how I think we both think very uh, similarly about entrepreneurship and about how to handle your professional life. And I think that everybody knows that there's things that you struggle with. And so that's very refreshing to hear it. And I, I agree with you also about another point about the intimacy of podcasts. And so when you fake it on a podcast, you lose that intimacy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, if you look at the number one podcast, of course, being Joe Rogan. um, uh, And there's a lot of authenticity that comes across in that show. Uh, And and I think that's part of the draw. That's part of the that's part of the attraction. Right. Right. Well, I couldn't agree more. So let's talk a little bit about some of your favorites and we'll end on um, we'll end on. Oh, we were just we got sidetracked. We were going to talk about some great advice and some bad advice. But so we talked about a lot of good stuff about mindset shift. Did you ever get some bad advice that kind of sticks out to you that you're like, oh, brother? I did. I, I the worst advice I ever got was someone and I followed it unfortunately and it was a very expensive <laughs> life lesson it cost me probably years um, and that was you know uh, just stick with it and what I what I mean by that is it was very clear to me I was at this um, this point in my life and it was at a personal level not a business level and I, I don't want to get too into the details of it just because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But, you know, I had somebody that was a confidant and I had a tremendous amount of, of uh, trust in them. And, I'm, and so I'm like, gosh, you know, I got this tough spot. What do I do? What do I do? And, and the recommendation was, you know, you're in it this far. Just stick with it. It's, you know, just hang in there. It's going to be OK. It's going to be OK. Um, and, and that's good advice to a point. But then I came across this, and I believe it was a Russian proverb, no matter how far you've gone down the wrong path, turn around. And, and you, know, you know, you're talking about hiring. This is a really great principle in hiring as well, because you put so much time and energy into getting somebody in the door. For sure. Right? That you're, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I just, maybe if I just work on them a little bit more or, you know, try to hone this one skill or whatever, <laughs> right? You're like, they're always, they're always about one month away from having all those problems <laughs> fixed. But it's like, it's Groundhog Day 12 months later. Right. And I'm only, I'm only laughing right now, Jamin, because I just don't want to be crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I know it. I got your, I got your, your context. Ooh, yeah, for so, sure. So, yeah. So that was probably the worst piece of advice because it wound, what wound up happening is I, you know, I made some really bad personal decisions that hurt a lot of people in my life where I would have been a lot better off. Um, and so would have, so would some people in my family, if I had, I just said, you know what, this is just not a healthy situation and I need to, um, uh, separate things. And yeah. so anyway, yeah, well, that does apply to business. I mean, how, how we do my, my friend Dinah Bowen likes to say from, she's at Servata. She likes to say, you know, how we do, um, anything is how we do everything. And oh, that's so okay. That is a great quote. I know, right? Because she's really smart. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was as smart as her. She said that uh, just to me recently, and I was like, you know, that's totally true. And so these things that we learn in our own in our own personal lives, yes, absolutely. Why should we walk into our office and then be different? 
Um, so that's you the, can't be. You can't be. And that is the, the complete, you know, underpinnings of, of, of integrity. Yeah, I, I, th- this point that you're making is so important about congruency. We need to be the same on the inside as we are on the outside, right? right? So, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the, I think where a lot of mental illness actually, and I'm not pretending to be a psychologist, but um, uh, I, I do believe that in my own life when I've had instances, and I have had them, where I'm acting one way on the outside and you know, portraying whatever, um, but on the inside something very different is going on, then that's just a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and create, if it gone gone on long enough, I believe that can certainly for me, um, so I mean this anecdotally, and I look forward to professional op- opinions uh, mm-hmm. on the podcast to this degree, because I know we have a lot of uh, experimental psych majors, <laughs> doctors, uh, and Beale. So anyways, um, yeah, that, you know, on, the, on this point. Well, let's end with a couple rapid fire things so people really get a sense of, you know, who Jamin Brazel is. And, and you, you are a big podcaster and a big podcast listener. So not everybody that comes on my podcast actually really listens to a lot of podcasts, which is interesting. Um, it seems like, you know, those of us who are hooked, we're hooked big time. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite podcasts? And actually, I think, correct me if I'm wrong about this. Actually, when I heard you um, talking with Seema Vasa, I think you were interviewing her on your podcast. I did have her on my podcast. Okay. She was my, yeah, she was a, uh, it was a highlight for me having her. I had a, so Data Gurus for me is um, top of my list in, um, in, in market research, ex- obviously excluding you and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right, right. So, <laughs> so you know, she, Seema is amazing, brilliant. She does a really nice job. Um, her interview style is accessible. She has interesting guests. And I think the production level of her podcast is something I strive for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you do, you, you, you go all the way with the video stuff, man. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, I think a lot of people don't really take advantage of the power of, of, of content. Mm-hmm. And and you you do by the mm-hmm. way, but um, you know what a podcast really is in the same way of a long form art blog article is it is this pillar content where we can take advantage because it's hard right I mean you and I are going to spend whatever hour together right now and then you're going to have at least an hour of post maybe two to three hours of post processing. Uh, and then you got to go through the, you know, uploading and and whatever. Writing you, the show notes, getting the writing the show quotes, notes, <laughs> yeah, creating so, the graphics I mean, for social. <laughs> so you're like, you know, you could be at, at least eight to fifteen hours in um, between you and, and your staff's time getting a, you know, proper podcast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for a little bit more, the juice is worth the squeeze. And and so for for our approach, what we've done is um, I've got a, a gal that works for me, Chu Yi. She's amazing. Um, she's familiar with After Effects. So we pull a key quote that has value. So it's not a. It's, we don't see it as a baited hook. By the way, we mm-hmm. treat it as a standalone piece of value that you could just hear that and not hear the whole episode and walk away with value. Oh, I and love she creates that. An, she creates an animation. Um, we push that animation, animated video um, with the with the um, guest's voice to uh, LinkedIn. Uh, we do that when the episode goes live. And then three days later, we do another post that is a still graphic, uh, along with, again, content that is adding value. And then uh, two weeks later, about, we do a final post that is just text-based. So the and, – and the content in all three of those is – is different, so it's not like we're doing a copy paste of um, uh, and 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 
you know, what, what winds up happening is really two things, right? Is if the, you know, I'll never do a post like the read like this, um, I had a great time with Priscilla on happy market research. She talks about how to successfully make a billion dollar company click here. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to, you'll never see me do that. Um, and, and it isn't that that is a bad behavior. I'm not saying it isn't bad. It's just for me, the brand that I want to project, and I'm very intentional with this, you know, I'm going to tell you if that's the hook, I'm going to tell you in that social post, the top three ways to do it. Right, right. Well, again, it's your mindset. It's, it's you know, it's it's that level of uh, authenticity and saying, no, I'm, I'm going to do the thing I said I would do. And that is to add value at every point. Absolutely. Yeah. And then if they want more, they can get it. But if they don't, they can walk away and say, gosh, you know what? Maybe I do want to be a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Hey, I'm in. This sounds great. I can't wait till this airs. <laughs> well, give me a few more. What other podcasts do you like? Don't have to be involved in MR, but what, what's something you like? I do like Joe Rogan very much. Yeah. And it's, it's such a cliche. But um, I think that comedy or comedians in general produce probably the best podcasts mm-hmm. in the space. I mean, there's two things that are working for them. You know, you and I are separated by like 2,000 miles right now. Um, I don't know really if that's true, but a lot of miles. And, um, you know, they tend to congregate in major markets. So, um, you know, they're oftentimes doing podcasts that are together. I think that there's a dynamic that we miss biorhythm-wise by you and I not being in the same room. Right. Uh, that it's just hard to, to frankly, replicate. Um, in fact, I've even toyed with not doing um, remote podcasts anymore and just doing them on sh- at shows. Um, that is know. so funny that you would just say that because I, you know, I I just did a podcast. I was in Quirks, London, and speaking there. And so one of my podcasts now, and it, it's a tip, it, it's a standard now that we do. I've done them in a couple of different uh, venues. I just did it in um, New York as well, and I'll do it in Austin. But where I go, you know, it, bird on the street, and I I talk with people. I have a great piece of equipment that I travel with, and so I can get that really authentic, right live you know, uh, uh, interaction. And I love it. I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. So I'm going to make a request in the show notes. If you could list the equipment that you do when you're on the street, I would love that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a good request. And also when we're at Austin, let's do one together. Let's do a hundred percent. I will actually be set up. So that'll be perfect. Awesome. Okay. We'll, we'll go back and forth. Oh, that's so fun. I love it. So any other like a, an app or a book or a blog that you just absolutely favorite, you know, and fanboy about? You know, I'm a fanboy about whatever content I'm consuming. Most likely, I'm a fanboy of that particular content, unless I particularly don't like it. I um, am rereading a book right now called Predictably Irrational. I don't know if um, you've heard of it. Arley, Dan Arley, I believe, is the is the author. Um, it's the hidden forces that shape our decisions. I think it should be mandatory reading. Um, <laughs> it just talks about the way that we price things and the way that humans consume things and, and the, sort of the overall rationale associated with that. I think there's so much value if you know, you're an entrepreneur or a business owner in understanding this so that you can frame things in a way that the market can consume mm-hmm. um, for you. So that is a go-to book for me, which I try to get in. It's, I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure when it was written, but this is my, this is my second uh, time through it. Is there a chapter on there that discusses how to talk with your teenager about $6 Frappuccinos? Oh my God! If there was, that should be the new version of it for freaking sure. What are we doing here? This is what I would like to know. What is going on? I mean, the whole the whole Gen 
Ek, oh, our Gen Z thing right gosh. now is crazy. Yeah, yeah, so interesting. Well, we could have a whole other episode about that. Jamin, thank you so much for coming on here. I know that you're you're busy. We all we all choose what we're going to do, and I appreciate today that you chose being on here. So please connect with Jamin. Obviously, you can find him uh, on LinkedIn. I'll just spell the name for you since it's a little bit unusual. It's J-A-M-I-N. B-R-A-Z-I-L. So, Jamin, with Happy Market Research, thank you so much for in, in coming and, and making this a happy day on our podcast. Thank you so much, Priscilla. It's an absolute honor um, to be on your show. I, I do truly appreciate it. it. Sounds good. And I'll see you in um, in Couple Austin. Weeks. Yeah, I love it. Okay. All and right. from all of us, all the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, thanks for listening and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.